Lying dormant within the streets of suburbia, there is an unseen evil. Like a mouse falling into a pit of snakes, an unsuspecting family disturbed a slumbering force and became enshrouded in a fog of darkness. This is the untold story of the Bel Air House and the terrifying malevolent entities that dwell within its walls. If you'd like to watch this episode and my entire library ad-free, consider becoming a YouTube member for just 99 cents today, or join our Patreon for the same perks plus exclusive content in the future. Any support helps me out tremendously. Thank you. Belair, Ohio, an area rich in history, was once known as Glass City, having once been a major glass production hub in the late 1800s, is now known as the All-American Town, having been used in many Hollywood productions as a backdrop for lots of movies, some of which you've probably seen over the years. The town that epitomizes small America's daily life has long since moved past its industrial days and has become known for something else. On the outskirts of the town lies an old two-story Victorian home that has become famous over the recent years, both among locals as well as across the country, with some saying it could be the most haunted place in the United States, if not the world. This is a bold statement to say the least, but the countless visitors to the house have reported strange, disturbing, and unexplainable encounters within its antique walls. But just how did the story begin? Where did the legend of the Belair house originate from? Let us first take a look at the home's dark history. Built in 1887 by a coal tycoon named Jacob Hetherington, the house sits adjacent from ancient Native American burial caves. It is also located where the scene of a massacre took place during the French and Indian War. It would sit on top of an active coal mine for years before. There was a major explosion that took place within the mine, killing multiple men working deep within the earth, directly underneath the house. Could the culmination of these tragic deaths have opened up a portal within the Bel Air house? A portal that allowed something to come through that wasn't supposed to be here. Shortly after this explosion is when the strange activity began. Jacob's son Alex moved into the home with his daughter Lyde, but was soon stricken with seizures and hallucinations. He would ultimately be committed to an insane asylum for the rest of his life, claiming that demons were trying to kill him. As time progressed, Lyde would take charge of the family business being helped by her younger brother, Edwin. Lyde would tragically and unexpectedly pass away one morning in the kitchen of the home. Edwin, now alone and grief-stricken, descended into mysticism and the occult 
in search of answers. He began to regularly host seances in the kitchen where his sister had passed away to attempt to make contact with her on the other side, and it is believed that contact was indeed made, but with who or what is uncertain. In 2005, Kristen Lee and her family are desperate for a new home. Like a curse, for the second time in less than two years, a flash flood has destroyed their home and all of their possessions. Kristen, her two sons, Nicholas and Lane, along with their father, Hefe, have been fortunate enough to room with friends during this difficult time. Kristen has continued to try and get the family back on their feet and no longer wants to burden her friends with the boarding of her family. So she constantly checks the real estate listings, hoping to find a home that her and her family can finally settle down into. Given the circumstances, the family didn't have a big budget and would have to rebuild their lives from scratch. But soon, her determination seems to pay off. While at work, Kristen often browses real estate websites for new listings as well as foreclosures, and a new listing soon catches her eye. Recently foreclosed on, but now available for purchase, she lays eyes on the old Victorian home for the first time. Its four bedrooms and two bathrooms set up, along with plenty of room, would be perfect for her family. The price seems almost too good to be true for her budget as well. And although the listing lacks more details, it's like her prayers had finally been answered. But by what? Not wanting to lose the property, Kristen arranges a showing of the home as soon as possible, and before too long finds herself on the front steps of the Belair house. She is immediately taken in by the beautiful craftsmanship of the woodwork. The wraparound porch facing the Ohio River soon has her imagining peaceful evenings watching the water flow. Upon entering the home, she continues to be impressed. Old marble and cherry wood ordain the interior of the home, and it seems almost too perfect, like something straight out of her dreams. The family also has a dog named Bella, and the large fenced-in backyard is perfect for her to run in and the boys to play in. Dumbfounded by her luck, Kristen puts in an offer on the house that evening, and it's accepted the following morning. After two years of chaos and uncertainty, the Lee family can finally breathe again and start living a normal life. But just as all seems quiet and settled, the family begins to discover that the house is anything but normal. At first, upon hearing odd noises in the night, the family wrote off the sounds as nothing more than anxiety in an old house. Being slightly scared or anxious upon moving into a new place, particularly following a very uncertain time in one's life, is not out of the ordinary, but these sounds soon become too much to dismiss. They soon begin to hear footsteps at all hours of the day and night. Kristen would later describe the activity as so. I would hear footsteps above and sometimes below me, even when there was no one else home but me, and I always felt as if there were thousands of eyes staring at me, at all times, watching my every move. 
Along with the strange noises, items soon began to go missing. From keys to towels to trinkets, one moment they would be there, and within seconds, they would vanish. And Kristen isn't the only one experiencing strange happenings within the Belair house. At the time, her 12-year-old son Nicholas begins to experience a malevolent force that seems to dwell within his bedroom. At first, he too begins to feel as if he's being watched at all times, and it seems to get exponentially worse at night. He begins to have night terrors, feeling someone or something covering his mouth and nose, forcing him to suffocate. One night, he wakes up in a cold sweat. It's storming outside. Flashes of lightning occasionally light up the room. What he sees disturbs him to his core. In the corner of his room, towards his closet, as a burst of light fills the room, he sees a blackened figure staring at him and shaking profusely. The young boy is utterly terrified. Rushing out of his room as fast as he possibly can, he wakes up his mother and refuses to sleep there any longer. The boy is so hysterical, the only solution was to send him to his grandmother's house, located 30 minutes away. What makes this case all the more compelling is that Kristen has a master's degree in psychology and works as a mental health physician. With this, her professional opinion of what Nicholas had experienced was initially contributed to stress and fatigue, both common factors that tend to make the human mind see and experience things that aren't really there. And these probably could explain many similar situations, and most would agree. However, Kristen's view would soon undergo a radical change after one terrifying experience of her own. After months of strange happenings within the home, it was now winter, and the Lee family, still tied on finances, was sleeping in the basement near the fireplace to save money on the gas bill. Hefe was asleep in a recliner, and Lane as well as Kristen were asleep on the wraparound couch located in the corner of the room. All seemed normal until Kristen was woken up by the feeling of the couch cushion being pressed down near her legs. She then found herself face to face with a terrifying figure of a man staring directly at her. She would later describe the encounter as so. I woke up being face to face with this gray figure of a man. He was translucent, almost like a mist, but the mist had features, like a person. The face was completely emotionless and had dark sunken in eyes. Kristen asked, who are you? What are you doing here? What do you want? But to no response, just a blank, lifeless stare. Within seconds, the apparition disappears. But before she can ponder what had just taken place, the silence is once again shattered. But by this time, it was the family dog, Bella, who was barking and running around the room. Kristen, attempting to keep her family asleep through the ordeal, tries to quiet the dog down and notices that she can see her breath in the air. And although it's cold outside, 
it's not nearly that cold near the fireplace. She then sees the figure materialize once more and silently move from one side of the room and through the wall on the other side, vanishing completely. No longer wanting to face whatever this was alone, she woke up her husband and told him what had just taken place. His response, however, was that she was too tired and needed to go back to sleep. Could what Kristen had experienced been a stress or fatigue-induced hallucination? Perhaps, but someone with a professional background such as herself surely would know how to differentiate, wouldn't you think? Finally knowing she's not crazy and totally convinced that the home was haunted, Kristen begins to try and make plans to get her family out of the Bel Air house and to safety elsewhere. As soon as she can, she puts the home up for sale and moves the family to a nearby rental home. Although she's relieved to no longer physically be in the house, no one is buying it. To try and cover expenses, she has no other choice other than to make the house a rental property. But almost as soon as the first family moves in, they move out. And this kickstarts a revolving door of tenants. Seemingly stuck with the house, Kristen comes to the conclusion that no family will or should live there. So what should be done with a haunted property? Needing to make ends meet, she comes up with a unique idea. She turns the home into an afterlife research property. This would allow various groups to come in and conduct their own research on just what exactly was taking place within the Belair house. And the idea works. Soon, groups from all over the United States and Canada are traveling to temporarily live within the home to conduct research. And from here, we gain some more interesting stories, to say the least. One group, who calls themselves the Armchair Researchers, from upstate New York, consists of two women, one being a birthing nurse, and the other a nurse who works with dying patients. They found paranormal and afterlife research to be a natural extension of their day jobs for the last 15 years. After hearing about the Bel Air house, they soon find themselves driving to Ohio to investigate the phenomena for themselves. First impressions tend to go a long way, and the first impression the women got upon their arrival was very creepy. The home by this point was in a moderate state of decay, the fence that had once surrounded the backyard was mostly blown down, and the exterior of the home, as well as the porch, was weathered and rotting. But despite the odd feelings initially, they make their way inside, and at first, they actually felt welcomed, almost invited in, greeted by the same cherry wood interior that has greeted everyone. But as soon as they set up their equipment and prepare for their stay, as day turns to night, there seems to be a shift in energy within the home. The shift went from warm and inviting to dark and ominous. Then began the noises, banging, footsteps, and the moving of furniture. The ladies also noted the feeling of being watched everywhere they went. While asking probing questions as they wandered throughout the house, 
they would soon also witness strange lights in various parts of the home. And along with the lights, there soon also came full-blown apparitions, all of which seemed to be centered around the basement. And as the night progressed, so did their feelings of anxiety. While taking a short break and sitting down on one of the couches in the basement, the two heard what they described as a large crashing noise above them, as if someone or something had thrown a bookshelf across the house itself, shaking the entire home. Absolutely terrified and panicked, the women apprehensively made their way up the stairs and rushed out of the home as fast as they possibly could, leaving behind equipment and personal items. They were too frightened to go back. Upon learning of what had taken place, Kristen wasn't at all surprised. Over the years, there had been dozens of teams of people who couldn't seem to last the night for one experience or another. People have been scratched, pushed downstairs, punched, bitten, and even in one instance, thrown across the room by a violent and unseen force. Another noteworthy story comes from a team located locally there in Ohio. They have had the opportunity to visit the home and conduct investigations numerous times over the years. But their experience in particular one night truly makes me question just what exactly haunts the Bel Air house. There was three of them this time, and it was shortly after midnight when they made their way into the attic to continue their investigation. During their questioning, they seemed to be getting direct interaction with something through their spirit box. Then, towards the corner of the attic, a mist seemed to materialize, coming up from the attic floor, slowly enveloping the group. Glancing down, they were now too stunned to speak. They saw what appeared to be thousands of black snake-like creatures slithering over their feet and onto their legs. The creatures then began to form a figure standing in front of one of the attic windows, a creature of pure darkness that seemed to stare at them with thousands of tiny, beady eyes. The crew, which consisted of two men and a woman, ran for their lives, descending the attic stairs as quickly as possible, leaving behind anything and everything that they had brought with them that wasn't located on their person and out of the home for good. All of these stories and experiences have led many to believe that the Bel Air house is some kind of magnet for paranormal activity, a magnet or a host to a portal for spirits. Whether that portal was opened by the tragedy that took place within the mind that once existed below its foundation or one that was opened due to seances being conducted within the house on multiple occasions. But over the years, many different entities have been documented from what appear to be human ghosts to perhaps something more sinister. One such entity goes by the name of Emily Davis. It is believed that Emily Davis was a child that drowned in the Ohio River that flows right by the home. Her room is allegedly the same room that Kristen's son Nicholas once stayed in. And besides the basement, it also seems to be a hot spot for paranormal activity. Through various investigations, once contact has been made 
then trust seems to be gained. People are often attacked, which have led many to believe that Emily isn't a child at all, but a demon. Perhaps it could be the same demonic creature that frightened Nicholas so bad that he moved out of the home, as previously mentioned. Many investigators also have claimed to have some activity follow them home, and even haunt their dreams, as if the house or the beings within the house are calling out to them to come back for one reason or another. Although many questions may never be answered surrounding the Bel Air house, one thing is for certain. It continues to be considered one of the most haunted places in America, if not the world. It also continues to serve as a place of study for those wanting to investigate the supernatural forces that dwell within its walls. But if you find yourself being drawn to the old Victorian, just know that if you're not careful, you too could find yourself being made a part of its history, whether you like it or not. Thank you guys so much for watching. Please don't forget to give this video a like, subscribe if you're new here, and share this video with a friend or on social media. All those things help me out tremendously. Please also consider checking out my YouTube membership program or Patreon for ad-free content and tons of other perks. And leave me a comment letting me know what you think. I did also just want to say thank you to our current members and supporters listed here. You guys are awesome, and your support helps me make content for everybody. So thank you very much. I'll see you guys again soon. Until next time, this has been Cody here at Mystery Archives. Stay safe out there, and take care.